Hi, LDT listeners. You're about to hear something pretty special. Life, Death, and Taxonomy's first ever theme song. We've long set the mood with free-to-use web-found music, but thanks to our friend Cassie, we now have a song that's unique to us. So help us show our appreciation by checking out more of Cassie's music at her YouTube channel. Uh, You can find it by clicking the link on ldtaxonomy.com or search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. Now let's get into the episode. Some animals just prefer not to play by the rules. Animals change lanes all the time. Bats are mammals that fly. Sharks are fish that give birth to live young. But most animals stick to their kingdom, except for a particular sea slug. When all others spend their lives hunting and gathering for sustenance, this slug goes out of bounds to borrow a technique. But creatures that prove that some rules are made to be broken often find the most success in life death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal info. I'm Joe. I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a naughty little slug that doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> but more on that later. There are, there are no rules in life, death, and taxonomy. Did, did you know that? <laughs> it, see, it would appear that way after learning what we've learned about this animal. In fact, our whole goal here is to find animals that break the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, yeah, and just for everyone's uh, uh, knowledge, I'm... St- enjoying the extremely comfortable life death and taxonomy bear sweater that you can buy uh, by going on our facebook page um, and clicking on the the post that's pinned at the top um, to our teespring account so that you can see what we offer but this i'm telling you this uh, sweater is just it's the most comfortable sweater i've ever had that that hoodie is really nice i don't have that hoodie i have a t-shirt of it but my sister has it and it's extremely comfortable (laughs) it's yeah you buy like it's really a gamble to buy a hoodie online because sometimes they can be like stiff you know and not comfortable but this is like mm, chef's kiss this is the uh the poly cotton blend of sweaters it's stretchy, it's soft on the inside. Yeah, it's just great. And plus we get Brian's awesome neon retro artwork of the uh, the sunset bear. So, Ursine Ur- <laughs> Sunset. Um, so go check out what we've got on Teespring um, because we didn't, we didn't skimp. It's good stuff. With that shameless plug out of the way, we're talking <laughs> about the Eastern Emerald Elysia. That... Yeah. that- this this was suggested by our old pal Doug. Thanks, Doug. I love suggestions, and this one was a great one. I, I'm I'm surprised that I haven't come across it uh, in he, my he search for. He suggested another one. He suggested another one coming up in I think a couple of episodes too. I will take. It's also very interesting. He's he's really finding really interesting ones that I've never even heard of. Yeah, and I'm surprised again. I'm surprised I haven't heard of this one because it's actually. It's it's kind of, it's got a little bit of a pop culture following to it, or yeah. like a not a pop culture, a subculture. Um, what is the word? A cult following. There we go. Yes. Um, 
But I get to watch a TED talk in preparation for this, which means that people are talking about it. Yeah, sometimes things just pop up on people on the 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 world's radar, and uh, this little slug is has made it. Uh, but you wouldn't know it's a slug because it's the Eastern Emerald Elysia, which is interesting because we both work with somebody named Elysia. Yeah, so as not to make it sound like we're making fun of the name Elysia, I called it E3 and <laughs> Esmeralda. Esmeralda seemed like a mixture between all three of those words. Eastern Emerald Elysia. Yeah, yes. Esmeralda. <laughs> wow you took yes that's esmeralda perfect (laughs) you've done it you have made Uh, a portmanteau of three words into a word we already have but speaking of names do you have any other names yes by the way i I don't know if you're going to talk about the etymology but elise elysium is the uh is uh delicious slugs yeah elysium (laughs) i don't want to yuck i don't want to yoke anybody's yak but if you like to eat um slugs that's fine um but elysium is the uh greek heroes paradise it's where they go and greek heroes go instead of hades when they die according to greek mythology so it's um you know it's it's what they're fighting for it's their valhalla but we're gonna call it here the big old booger boy the solar powered semi-sentient sylvan sapling slug and uh a leaf on the wind a leaf on the wind is good. I don't I like know about it. I don't know about that joke. It's it's kind of a wash. Uh, <laughs> that one's only that's a deep cut only for the true, the true the real ones out there. That uh, <laughs> it's not to say if you don't understand the joke, it's not you're not real. But um, just check out a little show I like to call, and a lot of other people like to call, incidentally firefly that's all well and good but how how can we know anything about this slug if we don't taxonomize it first so let's okay. just, let's do just that it's in a kingdom we know oh darn it no love and are in. <laughs> we know love yes no love and are in and that kingdom is animalia the phylum is mollusca which we were just in recently um the class is gastropoda stomach foots and we have f- count them five clades to go through so let's have a little bit of fun with the uh a taxonomy shall we the, the first clade these are in no particular order is heterobronchia the second clade is euthanura the third clade is panpulmonata the fourth clade is sacoglossa the fifth clade is placobronchoidea there we go the superfamily, so we're out of the clades. The superfamily is uh, Placobronchidae, and the genus is Elysia, and the species is Chlorotica. I uh, yeah, I, we're gonna I'm gonna pronounce it like that, Chlorotica, <laughs> like melodica, like one of those uh, weird harmonica keyboards but since we're in the business of naming things it's time for my favorite part of the show and that part of the show is critter groups the part of the show where i ask you joe a question and that question is the same every time and that is what is the name of the a group of these animals what is the term of venery or what is the collective noun so we're talking about 
slugs here. And I don't think we've done a slug before. So, oh, actually, yes, we have. But I think that was before Critter Group. So it was the, um, the blue sea slug. Go check it out. But, uh, so if you have a group of slugs, Joe, would you call it A, an aggregate of slugs? B, a balloon of slugs? C, a cornucopia of slugs? Or D, a decision of slugs? Oh, if it's decision, I'm going to be so mad because they've never made one. I don't know if you've noticed, but recently I've been trying to uh, have A, B, C, and D if, if possible. Oh. <laughs> they, all, they all match. Aggregate, balloon, cornucopia, and decision. Cornucopia, I feel like you've used that several times. Or if not, then it's in the genre of things you've used. I'm leaning between balloon and decision. Balloon. Final answer. B for balloon. That's your final answer? Yes. Incorrect. The answer was cornucopia. <laughs> wow. It's actually a thing that holds a lot of things. Like, yeah, but I, that, I, I, I would have to agree with you that this is a dumb one. It's like, unless slugs got together into the shape of a cornucopia, then it really doesn't make much sense. Like a basket. Yeah. Like it's a, a basket of sl What? A horn basket. Do you t typically, when you serve slugs as food, do you put them in cornucopias? I thought you only put pumpkins and gourds and stuff in corn and stuff <laughs> like that. Fruits. Fruits. Balloon. Fruits of the harvest. Um, but, yeah, so cor it's a cornucopia of slugs. A cornucopia of love. <laughs> Do you want to hear about what this thing looks like? Because I did call it a big old booger boy, so, um, and a sylvan sapling slug, and a leaf on the wind, so there's there's got to be a connection here, right? Yeah, if you could describe it for the listeners who are driving. Will do, because actually, the average person probably doesn't know what this looks like, except for the fact that it's called, it's, it's emerald. It's definitely emerald. Eastern emerald, Elysia. So in case all of those things don't give you a clue, um, this slug is green. Obnoxiously so, in fact. Um, it's basically a slug with the body of a big, wide leaf. The picture a broad, oval-shaped leaf with... All, with the veins and everything. It looks just like a leaf. It's exactly like a leaf. Um, and then slap a little green slug's head to the part where the leaf stem would normally go. Kind of like a toy in Sid's room. It's like the hybrid of things. It gets this color based on the food it eats, which we'll talk about later. Uh, but just know, for now, just know that it can be red. Uh, it can also be red or grayish, depending on how much of this food is in its system. It's kind of like a flamingo. It kind of takes on the color Eating of, of what it eats. Yeah. Um, That's one of those facts that sounds fake until you relearn it as an adult. <laughs> yeah, like flamingos aren't pink because they eat pink things. Like why isn't everything the color of things they eat? And it's like, well, they just are, I guess. Have you ever taken one of those? Um, there's like a, uh, a white flower that you can put into food coloring and it'll turn the color of the food coloring? No. Was like oh, yeah, of, yeah, 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 yes. It was one of my, like, favorite things to do um, when I would visit my grandparents in the Midwest is just find those and then, like, you know, dye it some weird brown, disgusting color of all the, the mix of all the other food dyes. And I then think that would happen with any flower, but it's, I'm, I guess, a white flower would show it best. I think that this one does it faster or it's just the colors are more vibrant than, than other species of white flower. But anyway... Yeah, so it's it this um, this 
slug does the uh, the same thing. Uh, but it can also have little flecks of white and red spots all over it that kind of make it look like a flavor ba- flavored basket. It can also have a little flecks of white and red spots all over it that make it look like a flavor blasted Cooler Ranch Dorito, not a sponsor. <laughs> oh man, that would be a good sponsor. Sure would. Can you imagine? We would definitely cover our hosting costs with the Dorito sponsor. <laughs> um, the sluggish head is kind of this amorphous blob like slugs tend to be. Um, it has two little horn-like antenna that stick out the top and two beady black eye spots that are located underneath. So why don't we rip this off like a Band-Aid, and how about you tell us how big this thing is? Oh, though, now that you mention size, welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, <laughs> the official listener's favorite part of the show. The part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or jittering the words Measure Up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We do have a new Measure Up intro this week. From Mindset Reframed, a.k.a. Some Rando. Nice. Some Rando is back. Back with a vengeance, because this is a good one. You ready? Yes. Let me pull Wait, it Wait, should I turn down my headphones? I'm afraid. It, no, it's not particularly loud. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Critter Groups. Wait, I thought he said it was the listener's favorite part of the show. Oh, well, in that case... Measure up. <laughs> that stings. <laughs> oh, an arrow has pierced my heart. Hey, at least they mentioned your brainchild. I yeah, I I, I did I did enjoy hearing somebody else care about it. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. thank you, thank you, some thanks rando, both of, uh, ba- two randos. Thank and thank you, some randos uh, compatriot. For the best randos you've ever thought about. Thank you, especially to the first rando who was ready to endorse Critter Groups at a moment's notice. <laughs> uh, and thank you for the second rando for the truth. That is <laughs> the beloved Measure Up segment. Uh, let's talk about length. That's one of my favorite ones so far. Uh, the the, the 10, that Critter sure. Groups? No. Uh, or Sorry, that Measure Up. <laughs> I thought you were. I have critter groups on the brain. Yeah, I'm that, sorry. It's my favorite up. part of the show. Let's talk about length. They can be up to 60 millimeters. I wrote millimeters, meters, I guess, three M's. Uh, but they tend to be 20 to 30 millimeters. So let's call them 30 millimeters. It's How about many an inch. E3s or Esmeraldas go into the length of Key Largo? By Largo, I'm assuming large. Yeah. Key Largo <laughs> is. Here's your hint. Key Largo is Spanish for Key Long. <laughs> it's it's the largest of the Florida Keys. I know, I know. I not only know s- enough Spanish to know that, but I've also spent a lot of time on Key Largo. It is pretty long. And when you when you reach it from, uh, I think Federal goes down there. Um, when you reach it, you 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 kind of drive into the center of Key Largo. The rest of it sticks up. So it's even longer than it takes to drive the length of it, or the length of, of road that passes through it. So I'm going to say 40 miles sounds good. Yeah, um, there's also Marathon Key, which I'm assuming is the length of a marathon. <laughs> Actually, I don't. I, I, At some point, somebody told me why it was called that, and I forgot. 
Um, but yeah, that's a pretty good assumption. The so, diameter might be, or the the circumference might be, a, and they run around it. True, true. I'm going to go with, yeah, 40 miles in length for Key Largo. And this is about an inch. So I'm skipping out on the middleman and figuring out how many inches are in a mile. So <laughs> I'm not going to figure out how many feet are in a mile. That's too much work. So 63,360. Final answer? Is the number of inches in a mile. <laughs> oh, that's right. So we're going to multiply. <laughs> I was going to say, you're doing pretty good, and you took a wrong turn somewhere. Yeah, so the answer is uh, 2.5 million, 2.5 million um, slugs. Well, the correct answer is 1.6 million. Oh, so it's not 40. It's 30. Ah. 30 yeah. miles or 50 kilometers long is Key Largo. Uh, would you like to hear about the second one? Because it is lifespan. When I can't find the weight, we go for something great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, is that the first time you said that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I, I want to hear it every time. You can't figure out the weight of an animal. I expect it. Uh, it lives for ten months. That's... Uh, between like nine and a year. You know, mostly most of the time, ten months. How many Esmeraldas go into the age of George Washington Carver when he died? He's the cherry tree man. Is he? I think he's the one that... No. That was George... No, he, was, uh... no he invented peanut butter. Yeah, here's a here's your hint. George, George Washington Wa- Carver was... George regular agric- Washington did the cherry <laughs> tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you you just thought carving, carving in wood, yes, chopping yes. down trees... Uh, George Washington Carver was an ag- agricultural scientist that worked to create uh, crop, alter- crop alternatives to cotton and to prevent soil depletion, uh, which happens if you plant in the same the same crop in the same field too many times in a row. He uh, may be most famous for his publication that taught 105 ways to use the peanut. He is um, one of the greatest Americans to have ever lived. For- I love. I mean. Our friend Andrew and other other people with peanut allergies might disagree. M- might might fe- feel like he's a villain, <laughs> but he's definitely. I love peanut butter so much. So yeah, yeah, he's that's... definitely a hero of mine. All right. He also had a nice mustache. Mo- uh, I imagine that was just par- that was par for the course um, back in those uh, in those times. He was also a Tuskegee Institute professor. I'm just going to keep saying George Washington Carver quotes until or I, facts until you all right, get I'm, the answer. I'm going to say he was 60 years old uh, because I just assume that... It takes that long at least to come up with that many ideas for peanuts. Yeah, and, and also consumption. Um, and this guy lives for eight... Well, not this guy, but... Um, as this hermaphroditic slug? <laughs> As as Meralda lives for you said nine months, eight months, ten months, ten months. So I guess we'll just I'm just gonna ballpark it, um, and say fifty fifty three years, fifty three. Wait, that's not right. Um, sorry, yeah, I'm going the other direction. Um, sixty seven slugs. 67 slug lifetimes go into <laughs> so when when George Washington Carver was born and a slug was born at the same time there were 67 generations of that slug <laughs> that were in existence or that had come and gone by the time he died that's right uh but it's wrong uh the correct answer <laughs> is 94.8 
lifespans. George Washington Carver was 79 when he died. Oh, he uh, outlived the median. The, the, he, he beat the average. Good J- for him. I mean, he was one of the, you know, brightest minds of his sci- in scientific field. So he's beating yeah. a lot of averages. You just, when you hear about people who did amazing things back then, uh, sometimes. They're like, and he died at 39. Yeah. <laughs> he wrote all the best <laughs> because- books we've ever heard of. And then he, and then he was, uh. He was like murdered, or he died of he tuberculosis or something. He was killed because he kicked something, and then it got gangrenous, and he died. The, that is, which is true about Jack Daniels. He kicked a safe out of anger because he couldn't get it open, I think, and then he died from it. That is a way to go. <laughs> All right, I was uh, not not uh, pitifully wrong, but um, no. Close enough. My sister says this is the worst kind of measure up, though. The one she where says I'm... it's it's the best when you're right on the money or really far Insanely. off. Insanely. <laughs> so I I apologize in advance for just for getting almost there. <laughs> uh, that's all I got for measure ups. All right, let's talk about some fast facts. So first, we have to talk about where this thing lives. Because if you're thinking slug, you're probably thinking of this thing that lives. It's like maybe under a leaf or. Um, in the rainforest or something like that. We, this is an a, an ocean slug, or actually, at, at the very least, like salt marshes and like yeah. uh, tidal pools. It, it likes salt water. It doesn't live in the middle of the ocean, but um, it can be found. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a water slug, an aquatic slug, um, and it's mostly found along the east coast of the U.S. So this can be as far north as Canada, um, and as far south as you guessed it. The Keys, the Florida Keys. Yeah. And it can also be in the Gulf of Mexico. So uh, it kind of has a pretty wide range um, along there. Um, And it's interesting because it's, you know, it's clearly tolerant of very cold waters and very warm waters. Yeah, because it's not very deep. So it's definitely feeling the cold. And the warmth. And the heat. So these slugs... Like a lot of gastropods, and as you mentioned, as you alluded to earlier, are herm- hermaphroditic, meaning they have boy parts and girl parts. <laughs> okay. There are children who listen to this, um, but they- I'm just like a slug's parts are not boy parts or girl parts. <laughs> <laughs> boy slugs and girl slugs. I mean, they're, that actually doesn't. They're they're both, um, but they don't self fertilize like the African giant snail does. You can go listen to that episode if you want to hear more about self-fertilization. Um, but what they do is instead they meet up with another slug and decide which parts they feel like using that day. So it's like, oh, you doing the boy thing? Well, I'll, I'll do the girl thing this time. <laughs> so um, that's how... It's like when you're playing an RPG and everyone else is playing the DPS and you have to be the healer. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. DPS meaning damage per <laughs> second, I guess, right? Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so everybody wants to be the tank with all the armor, but it's like, fine, whatever. I will be the rogue. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sure, we can liken it to a and d campaign. So that's how they spawn. Um, and here is an interesting story that I found. Um, I don't know if this has anything to do with your... Um, actually, I'm going to wait until after you're done with your, your, your TED Talk uh, to uh, okay. talk about my story and, and in case you... Um, you cover it. So, without further ado, I hand it over to you. Okay. 
Nice. Uh, the major fact this week is called the sap-sucking sun eater. Oh, are we naming the major facts now? You usually do I have just a title for them. I don't We say just don't them. say it out loud. Yeah. Uh, members of the clade Sacoglossa, which you said was one of the clades, uh, are called sun eaters because they have the unique ability to photosynthesize. That's right. It's an animal that photosynthesizes. Wow. Uh, that that means sun eaters sound like an like an like a uh, an imperialistic alien force that comes and like drains your sun. <laughs> uh, if you slept through uh, seventh grade biology. A plant gains energy from the sun through a process called photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is a fairly complex and apparently inefficient process. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I uh, I, I had heard that that um, it wasn't that great of a, a system that, um, but it was the system they used. <laughs> but without it, there would be no life on Earth. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, it lets organisms sustain themselves without moving. So. That's pretty good. So plant cells have something called something that the kingdom we know, love, and are in do not have, and that is plastids, stuff in their cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of these plastids is called chloroplast, and it's instrumental for photosynthesis because it stores chlorophyll, and it's where photosynthesis occurs. Uh, there's much more to learn about photosynthesis, and if you want to, there's a link. In the word photosynthesis on this page on ldtaxonomy.com uh, to learn more, there's a video. But we have to move on because we have to figure out how this slug is related. Esmeralda doesn't have these chloroplasts in its body uh, to make photosynthesis happen. So it can't really do it. Oh, wait. Yes, it can. <laughs> because uh, these these slugs munch on algae and suck up all the chloroplast and save it for later. Huh. So it hijacks it, hijacks the batteries. So you say, big deal. I eat salads all the time. I, I, does that mean I can also photosynthesize? No, it does not. Because Esmeralda still has a problem at this point. Chloroplasts need a specific protein that's made in a plant cell nucleus to continue to function. So photosynthesis, the, the act of photosynthesis damages chloroplasts and these like pla- uh, and like these little s- cells and things these things in cells so it damages the chlor- chloroplasts they need to be replaced so plants have this protein this DNA that makes this protein that replaces and replenishes these this chloroplast and obviously slug DNA doesn't have that so somehow, the chloroplast continues to photosynthesize, converting sunlight to energy. And it's it's not like, oh, they eat it and they can photosynthesize for a little bit, right? And then it wears off. No, like, if they eat it, they they, they can photosynthesize for a long time. Um, huh, they're like, it's like Rogue from X-Men. Yeah, kind of. Researchers have discovered this protein-making genome is actually found in the slug, but after they do their whole eating the eating the plants thing. Uh, so somehow the genome is transferred to the slug at some point uh, from the algae. Huh. Once they have the chloroplast and the genes to keep them going, 
they never have to eat again. Literally, that's it for them. They have one meal, and it lasts them a year. Really? Yeah. So the they literally become what they eat. <laughs> yeah, they become a, they they are become plants. It's like uh, <laughs> it's like if you had a burger and then you gained cow DNA. Yeah, uh, they they can go their whole life cycle without eating, which can be up to a year. Um, so they're out. Al- so the algae gene is transferred and integrated into the slug, uh, and this is the first time they've scientists have found a naturally occurring dr- gene transfer. If you know anything about like gene therapy and stuff like that, it's the idea of like let's take genes from something and put them into something else so that you can heal it. So like the the most obvious application of that would be somebody's sick because of a genetic disorder and we're going to take some genes and replace the bad ones mm-hmm. or something like that. And then the other applications are like let's have the navy the this guy the TED Talk made a joke the guy in the TED Talk made a joke about this. Uh let's let's have the the navy people all have this like chlorophyll gene. And then they could like they never have to eat when they're out at sea, you know. They can like, just they can just suntan and eat at the same time. Yeah, so those are the big sci-fi dreams about stuff like this, like transferring DNA and integrating it into your own DNA. So if we could do that with like axolotl DNA, then we could regrow limbs. Or we are you know. going to become the X Men, right? So that that's the that's the pipe dream, but the 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 clearest thing is to treat genetic disease diseases that's if we could figure out how they are so good at like integrating this into their dna then we could maybe figure possibly figure out how to do it a little bit better like do stuff like gene therapy we're not actually very good at it according to the ted talk guy i should link the ted talk guy in the article but yeah that's crazy are they the only animals that that assimilate the DNA think, of the thing they eat? I think there are two other ones, and I think they're all slugs. <laughs> but I'm not sure. I saw like a th- a thing in a sidebar when I was researching that said three animals that photosynthesize. But this guy said this is the only one that we've like actually shown, and they actually to to do this research, they got the the people at, in Hong Kong that do like the genome research. They like that they map genomes mm-hmm. and they have this like supercomputer that's like able to do it really fast. Uh, he they like started like investigating the genomes of both the algae and the slug and like kind of and like came to the conclusion. Oh, yeah. Like they're integrating. The slug is integrating DNA. That is that is crazy. I mean, I, if, I would have called this the Kirby slug like, <laughs> where it just eats something and then just takes on its best qualities as long as that thing is algae yeah yeah and its quality is photosynthesis yes yes yeah i mean yeah it can't it does it can't just eat a fish and then be like get gills and <laughs> although yeah wow cool uh, do you want to hear my story sure okay so this slug inspired a company called alga culture to create a wearable suit uh, based on the idea that we're all eventually going to be sustained off of colonies of algae that we have to wear on our bodies. 
I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Dune, but it's uh, they don't. It's not algae, but like they have these suits that recycle all of their bacteria, sweat, and waste into drinkable water as they live in a, on a desert planet. They're called still suits. Um, it's kind of like that. So the a singer in London performed a mini opera called the Algae Opera where she blew the carbon dioxide from from her singing into the tubes. Now, this this suit is looks like a face hugger from um, Alien, and I feel like we talk about Alien so much on this show, but it's it's it is the perfect <laughs> organism. <laughs> and we talk about organisms. But yeah, it, it looks like a face hugger that's uh, positioned in front of her face and mouth, and then all the tubes kind of go around her head and then down her back and over her body in this like full-on suit. And the algae collects on the tubes. And so, um, and it's all green. And so she would bl- blow this carbon dioxide into the tubes as she sang. And the algae would feed off of the CO2. And she would feed on the algae um, in between notes or songs or something like that. I didn't discuss. I didn't see a video of her or anything. The idea was that the notes that she sang, the different notes, would change the amount of CO2 going into the suit and therefore the taste of the algae. Which the audience could enjoy at their leisure after the performance. They could literally taste the music in what may be the nastiest musical performance since Meatloaf. (laughs) Or since Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off that bat. Wow. And it's pretty... If you type in um, Eastern Emerald Elysia suit or just alga culture, uh, you'll see this person wearing the suit. And it it is nuts. We gotta put a link in the the notes. So uh, thank you, Esmeralda, for you know, the inspiration for this gem of humanity. And um, thank you, Doug, for the, for inspiring this gem of an episode. I I can't I can't believe that there I I was about to go another day without knowing about this, <laughs> and Doug saved me from that future. <laughs> thank you, Doug. So that's all I got. You got anything else? That's all I got. All right, so for you out there in Podcastia, activate yourselves. Take in some sun, and for goodness sake, don't do it without some chloroplasts like the Eastern Emerald Elysia in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Strange things. (laughs) Things are happening. I wonder what that song would taste like with the suit on.